I tell you that kid was good, eh? Uh, he's good, but it's, it's not all him. I mean, I've been feeling that lately, Raj. Uh, you know, the other... It's like the other night on the ship when that guy nailed me, right? And uh, yesterday I couldn't catch him. Stuff too, you know. I just thought, you know, I'm out of shape or something, you know. But it's more than that. It's 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 like uh, it's like uh, I hate to say this. You're getting too old for this shit. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Finally. Do you expect me to talk? And welcome to episode 207 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow co-hosts, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Hopefully you're not getting too old for this shit. Not me. I'm definitely too old for this shit. I was too, <laughs> we I are was by too, now. <laughs> I was too old for this shit before we started the podcast, to be fair. Um, so, yeah. Um, How long have we been doing this podcast for now? It's, it's, it's uh, getting on for five and a half years. Least. I'll say five years, five and a half years. Yeah, has, it, we, has it been five years? Or, yeah. August 15 we started, so Gosh. Yeah, over five and a half God. years now. Um, Definitely getting When we started this, I was Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Now I'm sort of Bruce Willis in A Good Day to Die Hard. So, no. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Oh dear, what does that make me and Chris? Oh dear. Uh, well, I don't know. Puberty kicked in somewhere around year three for you two. You're both a bit younger <laughs> than me. So. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and, and just think, like we started this po- uh, this podcast in in the uh, run up to a new Bond film, and. That's yeah. how long it's been. Yeah, yeah, comes out, it's all, it's we're gonna still be... waiting for a new Bond film. I know. Yeah, we were just like, we're, we're, and at the end we were like, we'll be covering the next Bond film, and it's like that actually was gambling on longevity for this show, which yeah. we didn't realise at the time. We thought, well, with this few series we want to do, we're bound to get two or three years out of it. <laughs> Thankfully, I think we have got so many series still left to do. We've been planning them over the last few days. And putting together intros and teasers and we've been going through a few things tonight and arrangements for the next major series we're going to do. So I think we've still got a fair bit of juice left in the tank, hopefully. And we've got all the westerns, so, you know, that that should, like, see us too whenever No Time to Die comes out, so... <laughs> yeah, it'll probably hopefully. take us till the sort of, you know, poles reverse and east is west or something um yeah actually all the westerns is actually it's a it's a short leone series it's going to be basically five films but we'll come we'll come to that we've got other things first we'll give more details at the end of this show so becca what are we covering tonight so tonight we are covering lethal weapon 4 starring mel gibson danny glover joe pesci same people as last time (laughs) jet lee chris rock Darlene Love and Tracy Wolfe, uh, with original music by Michael Coombe, Eric Clapton, Dave Sanborn, and scripts by Alfred Goff, Mars Miller, Channing Gibson, Jonathan Lemkin, directed by Richard Donner, and released in 1998, which was a lot later than when I thought this film came out. I thought it was like more mid-90s, I didn't realise it was, it was uh, late 90s, so very cool. No, I, I saw this at the cinema and I was living in Liverpool at the time, so I could sort of place the era it was in. Um, I think your perception of time does change over time, in that this is what six years after the previous one, and we, we've just been sat talking about 
six years between Bond films. And whilst that's been too long and it's been frustrating and everything else hasn't been that long, Spectre was like within fairly recent memory. Whereas I think partly the fact that this is even more comedic, but also he has foregone the mullet this time. Um, this you does feel, haircut. This feels like a different year. Well, I was wondering why the mullet didn't look right last time. I, I got a feeling it probably was a wig in the, second, in the third film. Um, so th- this feels like this feels like the sort of continuations like we get in TV shows now, where they come back like, a generation later. I don't know what you guys think in terms of. I mean, the that's feeling definitely for what it. That's definitely what it felt like. When I mean, I saw this at the cinema, and. So this was like the first legal weapon I saw, and it definitely felt like um, a significant length of time. So it was what ninety eight. Yeah. And and the last one, what, what was it? Was that ninety one or ninety two? Ninety two. So six years, so which is a sizable gap. I mm. mean, maybe not <laughs> today's standards, you know, given no time to die. But and also uh, Mar- we've Marvel. We've had COVID in the way, haven't we? Well, we've had coronavirus. The, yeah, but not only that, we've got Marvel, where sequels to the individual characters can be a long way apart because they've got so much to do. In yeah, the interim, that's true. Do- Doctor Strange is going to come out next year, like something. Marvel set a, Marvel's going to set a new president, though, because I think obviously mm. where we, we, you know, over the years we have been used to seeing series like a couple of years apart, for example, and across various franchises. But with Marvel, I think they really have set the new new benchmark where we've had like a ten years of you know a new film every year or at least every other year, you know, as as standard. And only now, obviously, due to the current situation, that's starting to kind of slow down a little bit. And I think they've kind of just set changed the landscape, arguably. Well, the brand I is think, bigger I think than the characters. Like, that's why. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. Because, like, you know, with that, even though you had, like, maybe, like, three years before soul, someone that's had a solo film, you wouldn't, like, you know, you still see them pop up, or, 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 or as, as Dave said, like, it's the entire overarching star, uh, story is the whole thing, you know, the Infinity Stones, and and this character pops up in there and what's you don't happening have here. To, yeah, you don't have to rush out a Thor film to cash in. They're, they're continually cashing in. I mean, yeah. literally two hours before we came on to record tonight, I watched the second instalment of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that started in itself two weeks after uh, WandaVision ended. So I've had, like, as a time of recording, 11 episodes of Marvel in the last three months. Um, so it, it, it's not... It, it, with that background, it, it's less of an irritation that we've yet to have the second sort of Doctor Strange or whatever. Yeah, because it's because it's like Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's that that is the selling point. It's not necessarily like the individual characters, because you know you could like well, Iron Man for example, you could that that could that that's done now. But then again, you know they they've got other characters to fall back on. It's not necessarily about mm. the individual characters arc. It's about the whole story arc. That's that being said though, I do you know I, my my instinct is telling me now that um I, that's probably going to start deteriorating. I, I don't think it, I think it's I think it's probably it's reached its peak now, and I think we're going to see the decline. How well, nothing stays how, at its peak forever. How slow or how fast yeah. that happens, I don't know, but uh, yeah. but I, I do think in that you know especially with Endgame, there's definitely a sense of finality about it. And yeah. I, I think especially as we get into like the things with like the multiverse and the, I think we're just gonna I think you know just gonna lose like most audiences and like as they move on. I think probably COVID's probably helped with that. Yeah, um, it's had an impact. You know, because like yeah, people have. Well, I, I suspect, and we'll find this out when uh, cinemas reopen um, at some point. Uh, hopefully May, but we'll see. Um, 
we'll find we'll, we'll actually find out whether like people are ready to go back here or not. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Well, Black Black Widow has been pushed back to July at the time of recording and is now going to debut in cinemas and on Disney Plus as a premium offering mm. in the same way as Mulan did. Um, so they were immediately flushing their 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 headline box office, not necessarily their profits, but certainly their Mm. their headline box office i mean we were talking about show notes for this episode just before we hit record and it's just occurred to me to just like chris to just sort of snip out the timestamps of when he started and finished talking then for like potentially the worst dating piece of dialogue he's ever delivered because mm. when marvel's still massive in five years time it's not gonna it's not gonna date that well i, yeah, I, I said it was feeling i didn't say it was a um, um i mean look it Look, you shouldn't really sort of take to take the bank any anyone's predictions, no matter yeah. how. No, how and I think we're, we're we are in very um, we're very much in unprecedented you times. Know, and I nobody, mean, like, even even like a Star Wars, nobody has put out this degree of content this quickly. You know, mm-hmm. Marvel, as film wise, this summer will will sort of match Bond in in sort of thirteen years, and it could have been quicker than that, apart from COVID. You know they've they've matched Bond's sixty year output in in like thirteen, so yeah. um, predicting what's going to happen to that. Yeah, if Marvel were to continue, it would have had to evolve in itself. Um, but then, it, you know, the, you also got you know when things are moving more more streaming services, there's probably less incentive to chase that blockbuster thing. So. You could even even argue like it, that, you know, whether something is popular or not doesn't really matter that much because you know, songs are still getting subscribers. It's self, it's self it actually doesn't matter anyway. what yeah. that subscribers is for. It's just like well, we'll just it's just we'll just be content, you know, thrown at that thrown at your screen. And um, certainly, I'm heartened by their early TV offerings. The first, um, mm. well, I mean, I've I've written about WandaVision, but. In terms of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, last week's, the first episode was certainly very much sort of set up, which is not a criticism in and of itself, but as a um, as a self-contained offering, the person I was watching it with went off to do something else like 40 minutes through, and it was like, not, not severe boredom, but it was like, I have something else to do. And I was like, oh, I'll just let this play through because nothing's really happening. But the second episode tonight is very promising indeed, so we'll just have to see with that but um getting back to the point of, of this particular film that this is not something self-sustaining at this point it's six years later in an era where sequels didn't take six years after sort of six years i mean you think batman begins came back eight years after batman and robin and it just felt like a completely new era both in style but also in time um part of that was things like 9 11 and so on but six years later, yeah, this feels like a reprise. It doesn't feel like a continuation in the in the normal way, and and them looking different and a bit older really does sort of aid that impression. Yeah, because we're only what like six years on, so it's not that great a deal when you know even when free when you know, Mel's rocking the mullet and you know is is like you know getting on all, on all the action thing he you knows less of a lethal weapon in quotation marks uh is even less so now but but at least you got the age thing going on here um this was this one's definitely more leaning on towards the comedy um yeah. you definitely sort of feel even like the way it looks it felt it felt very much like you know like a, a tv special oh I you know, agree. It, this, is, this is a tv film really for me 
Um, and funnily enough, I looked at the cinematographer tonight, and, and he's got a pretty decent record, to say the least, in terms of the quality of films. But I could read you like three or four of it that when you watch them just look like TV films. I mean, he did oh. The Verdict, the Paul Newman film from the early 80s. Very courtroom, that lends itself to feeling a bit TV anyway. He did Terms of Endearment. You know, that's the sort of film that, for all its qualities, could appear on the Hallmark Channel or something. He did The Morning After, uh, which is a, a really good film. But again, it feels like a TV film. Family Business, the Sean Connery film. Uh, Twins. Um, he did uh, Species, Jade, uh, The Mirror Has Two Faces, Dante's Peak with Brosnan. 13 Days, really great film, but could totally have been made for television. And I sort well, of HBO think, kind of... Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, more like, yeah, that kind, kind of, of prestige style. TV, but yeah, TV. Um, and as a director, he did um, well, some bright shite, really. He did Street Fighter and Legend of Doom Trump. and Exit Wounds and, yeah. But... Um, you know, not knocking his career, he's on some Oscar-winning films there, and, mm. and a lot of good quality. But um, and I've been nitpicky in what I've picked out there because he also did Speed, which I would say was pretty. I was going to say, how could you miss out on Speed? Um, because I was making a point and that didn't suit my point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, I'm joking. I'm joking but U.S. Marshals, I saw U.S. Marshals, which is a sort of quasi sequel to The Fugitive, but again, it feels like a TV film. It, it, do, it's the sort of thing that was... you could make with with Tommy Lee Jones's character, but not mm. Tommy Lee Jones, and put it on TV. He did Falling Down as well. Um, uh, I think the only thing with with dealing with speed is you also have Django Bond, which is also a cinematographer as well. Mm. So you, you, you probably had. Well, it's like Ridley Scott is never the cinematographer on his films, but they always look amazing, which tells you he's mm. got some input, even though he's not the cinematographer. So yeah, we've got to be a bit careful as to what. Um, uh, sort of conclusions we draw the screenwriter Channon Gibson I looked him up because I've never heard the name and again lots of TV he did he, did, uh, he wrote for a lot of LA Law uh, which was a Stephen Bochco production Stephen Bochco I suspect now because he has passed away uh, he'll be best remembered for NYPD Blue and he was a writer for that as well then he went on and did uh, Murder One with Daniel Benzali so again there's a little bit of sort of tv about a lot of the people involved in this Mm. Um, Uh, do do we think this film is a tv movie though because of it no i just think it lacks a bit of weight weight and i also i also think in look i think it was something to do with 80s film stocks as well again i'm not particularly technical on this but it it's still look, got a very kind of eighties, nineties look of it. Even though if it's you like look 90s. at the if you look at the eighties Bond films, I don't know if it's a restoration issue, but they don't quite look as nice as the sixties Bond films. And a lot of the films from the eighties, again, it may be how they've dated or been stored, but they have a sort of gritty, grimy graininess to them, and they don't look the most prestige. You know, even the fairly cinematic stuff. Well, you release a lethal weapon into the midst of all that, and that would be fairly typical but we're in the late 90s by this point you know and i think styles have changed a little bit i don't know that i, I think it's a tv film just on the basis of the, the the prestige of the people involved but there's no doubt you could have you could have almost spun this off into a series of tv films like you did with say robocop and had different sort of vaguely look alike actors 
and this wouldn't be out of line with the sort of thing they might make. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone watched the, the Lethal Weapon TV show. I didn't, actually. I didn't, sorry. Uh, was it any good? Uh, I, I, I haven't really sort of watched much of it. I think I might have seen one episode and bits and parts of others. Yeah. Uh, but the behind-the-scenes story get... is the most interesting. Sorry, the... The behind-the-scenes story is most interesting, because the guy who played Riggs ended up sort of leaving by quote-unquote mutual consent. But when you heard the stories as to why, yeah... And certainly there were issues with, you know, the Murtar actor, well-known actor, forgotten his name all of a sudden. Um, on the reins. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- uh, Dwayne Wyans, I think it was. But anyway, um, was it Marlon? Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is um, the, the, the behind-the-scenes story. And, of course, they got rid of the Murtar character and brought in someone played by Sean William Scott. And shock- shockingly enough, it was, like, cancelled after like one more season or something but I did hear when it first launched that it was surprisingly good but what are you playing on there I mean if you said to me as a concept could it work for TV yes because it's buddy cop buddy cop could totally work on television but most of the appeal of this film TV you're not committing to one plot you're committing to like a situation and maybe some idea arc character arc ideas mm. so it's it's all going to be on the basis of who have you got playing Riggs and Murtar if you're saying were they to choose to do it could Danny Glover and Mel Gibson have made this a television show yes of course they could have so I don't know yeah I think my impression with the uh, the, the TV show is just um, I think it, I think they cast Murtar a tad too young I mean I actually don't know how long uh, how old how young well it's actually um, more about perception because Murtar in the films was probably younger than my aunt in the TV show but it's how you come across yeah and Riggs I don't know just he just maybe it's just something that like you know you can't just recast Riggs Mm. you know Mel Gibson is that character so it's hard to kind of have something new um, but it definitely had, it was definitely more of a light hearted body problem, cop. The other problem that I perceived really, really. with it, and again, stressing, not seen it, but my, my the red flag to me when you show me the concept is everything Chris just said right at the top of the list, above what I'm about to say. But I think the world has kind of lost its appetite for 22 and 24 episode seasons. I think that's too much now. And I just, if I wanted to catch up with Lethal Weapon now, and it lasted for three or four seasons, for example, then I'm in for like, you know, 70 to 100 episodes, and that's just too fucking much, to be honest. Now, I think cutting it down and having a bit more of recognisable arcs through a series, you can go too far that way as well. Star Trek has been ruined at the altar of these sort of overarching season arcs um you've still got to have episodes that stand alone the the best way i've seen it done in, in this sort of longer format was the first season of nypd blue it, it was an episode uh, an episodic cop show but there was a developing storyline around one of the leads well it's both leads mm-hmm. actually all the way through it uh, and with both of them it sort of played out completely in the second season but uh, very early in the second season so you've got like 20 six episodes or something of of all one thing but you can sit and watch a single episode yeah i mean that's the key isn't it you sort of you have like the the overarching sort of yeah. see like 
season storyline, but they're all contained in like self individual episodes. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of this film, um, my perception were I to catch up on it now before I saw it would be sort of different than it was at the time because I'm not sure how well I knew Chris Rock before this came out. It's too long ago. In mm. that, like, I might have heard of him in like 95, 96. I may not have, though. If you think of his stand up, he's most famous for a little sort of sketch around he was he was most famous for a little sketch around bullet control as opposed to gun control and i don't know when he did that i don't know if he did that before this or after i think it was before but i'm not sure when i saw it certainly pre-internet this is like about this is like the summer before i got the internet and stuff like that although it was around so when I look at it now, I ju- it looks like overkill because you've got Pesci and Rock and that just seems like too much. And as we go through it, you know, no spoiler, I will be saying it's too much. Um, so many films tried to, I think there's almost an unconscious influence of the likes of Jim Carrey to a degree, but, but certainly Robin Williams. In that when Pesci and Rock talk to each other, it just looks completely ad-libbed. And it was like people used to point a camera at sort of Robin Williams and sort of capture it in the editing room afterwards. And he would normally provide you with enough gold that you can do that. Well, when lesser talents do that, it just looks like such random shouted shit. Um, So I would be concerned about that. The other thing is Jet Li, I'm sure he's had a long and, and very impressive career. But if you look at the peak of his sort of sort of popularity in the west it probably peaked with the one which was 2001 so this is kind of in that short period where jet lee was a big thing in the west so it just feels like this film's trying a bit too hard on paper then it's got the tagline on the poster of the gangs all here which is like right so that's your big idea let's just all get back together there's not necessarily so i went in a little bit wary of it but not overly worried because I thought the worst we'll get is an enjoyable enough bit of banter between the leads, maybe a couple of irritating scenes with Pesci and I don't know if I was I don't know if I had an opinion on Chris Rock at this point. And I thought, well it'll be okay. Um and funnily enough, one of the I've only really remembered a few things from this film over the years between viewings, because I've only seen it now twice. And the two things I remember is, and I've conflated scenes, because I remember Rig saying this to Murtar on the beach. He didn't. He said it in, like, the locker room afterwards, but where he said that he basically faked the injury to get out of the fight, and he was kicking my ass. I think I mixed that up with his scenes in the sort of on the beach with Rene Russo. But I remembered that. I remembered... Um, I, I got... I thought I'd got his name mixed up, because they call him Biscuits, but Butters, yeah, it, they do call him Biscuits. And I remember um, the last, very last shot of the film. And that's about all I remember. But I do remember sort of coming out going, yeah, that was all right. It was entertaining enough. Um, so at the time, this was okay. But a bit like I've thought about all of them since the first one, I've, I kind of thought, what's the point? Uh, I know money's the point. But if there was, if there is any sort of artistic push behind this, what is it? Um, and it is almost like they were trying to make it before they were sort of too old for this shit. I don't know about you guys. 
yeah, so sadly I didn't see this one at the cinema because I hadn't seen the other ones. Um, so I watched it for the first time for this podcast. Um, yeah, it's a bit lighter than the others. Um, but I think for me, um, the real draw here was probably Jet Li, pretty cool. Um, it's very... All, like the first film, for example, is a very much like an 80s sort of film, but for me, this film is just really... It's 90s. Um, and also I could feel... Uh, well, obviously... This is 98, and obviously just the previous year, like 97, we had um, Twine Over Dice come out as well, and I kind of got like a lot of Bond vibes from this, a lot of the stunts that were involved as well. Like Both have like a big explosion scene, and both have um, a stunt which involves a, a car through an office block or you know a big skyscraper. Um, but I, I had a good time with this film, I enjoyed it. It was definitely like, a lot lighter and a lot fluffier than, um, than the previous films, um, even with the, the triad theme. Um, but some of the action, you know, the action seems really well choreographed um, and really good set pieces. So I still had a good time, even though, as you say, it is a bit lighter than the previous film. So. And yes, they are definitely getting too old for this shit. Well, I mean, I think it was the mullet. I mean, in terms of my actual first thoughts on the film, uh, in terms of my viewing this time, I really worried about it because we, we had to delay recording for a couple of days. And I'm only talking a couple of days. I saw this about three days ago. And by like a day and a half later, I'm thinking, am I going to remember this? Because it just didn't stick. And and, and I had sort of mental timestamps in, in my head that I've sort of forgotten. But I remember that like nothing really gets going for about 45 minutes. And we're not really into the proper plot for an hour. And and the film's only like two hours. But you can see how because they wait, they're wasting the first sort of 45 minutes of the film. Um. I just found it really oddly paced. I, I just thought you brought Jet Li in it. He's not in it very much at all. You've got Chris Rock and, and Joe Pesci. And although they're different screen presences, they're there to do sort of the same thing. And apart from one line, there's one line of Chris Rock's I did remember. The line where he says, you know, and if you can't afford a lawyer, we're going to get you the dumbest fucking... You know. <laughs> the dumbest lawyer there is. Um, that, that I remembered and that was funny. But you've got effectively two different comic reliefs neither of which are particularly i mean i don't dislike chris rock when i've seen him his stand-up i mean his last stand-up special on netflix was incredibly brave and open as well about mistakes he's made in his life i think he's a really good quality stand-up and i think there's one or two films that have captured him not too badly um strangely enough the one that got slaughtered the one he did with anthony hopkins but um, it, it that wasn't so bad. But he's another like Richard Pryor, where where you, cinema hasn't really captured him properly, and they kind of point a camera at him a bit like they do a Robin Williams and hope for gold, and I I think it just massively unsettles and fucks this film up. The only funny thing about Chris Rock in this film, apart from the line, is Murtaugh's reaction to him. Um, so. I was a little bit bored by this, let's be honest. The best scene in the film is the opening scene in the film. And the rest of it, I couldn't give a shit about, really. Now, the the very last scene of the film, which we'll get to, obviously, when we get there, but there is a slightly cheesy note the film leaves on. I actually kind of like that as a goodbye, because the, the, these characters and people have built up a certain amount of goodwill. Um, But it's all a bit tired it's all a bit lazy there's something about throwing Jet Li and Chris Rock in that feels a bit flavour of the week and I have to say 
whilst I found it completely unoffensive in 1998. I didn't enjoy it at all this time. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I don't know. It just only got just it's only hit me because I'm like looking at the Wikipedia with the, like the, sort of the poster, and you said sort of, said like, oh, you know, from Jet Li is a bit flavor weak, and I saw something for saw Mel Gibson with his hair cut wearing a leather jacket. I think it's a bit of a midlife crisis, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, a midlife crisis movie. It is a little bit, isn't it? So. I mean, I mean, I mean, to fairness, it's not like you know they they go, they go around pretending to be you know young and still and whatnot, but. Um, so it's just a thought that came to my head. Get, um, it's a Murtaugh Go Club. <laughs> go Commando. Really? Yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, I basically kind of agree with what you said there, Dave, really. I mean, I, I've always thought this is to be, I said at the top, it's a bit of a, a prelogue. It's a bit of a, oh, let's get, let's get together one last time. There was a definite sense of finality to it. Hmm. So whenever there's, there's like, there's a question of, will there be a lethal weapon five? And they're like, oh, well, maybe. And I'm thinking, why? <laughs> Like, you know, the only way that'd be bi- like viable if it was like a passing down the torch, like you know, it's like like them as older men retired and and or or as police or as police chiefs. The only or, way I can see or, or you something. doing it is if it's like a cold case or something. Yeah, or or, or it's more about like like the new blood. Like, well, that's what I mean. They 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 go in. Hang on a minute, Riggs, Riggs and Murtaugh. They are they're legends in this department. They worked on the, a case really similar to this thirty mm. years ago. That sort of thing. That that's the only way I can actually see it working. But yeah. you can't like have them going around going like both going we're too old for this shit. Like as mm. as things explode mm. around them, it's just it, it it you know. I mean, fair enough. I I think yeah. part of the point with Murtaugh was. Yes, 50 is a milestone, right? And no one's going to pretend 50's young, but it, it's not as old as it used to be, if you like. And mm. I think part of the point was, Murtaugh really wasn't too old for this shit. He'd almost aged before his time. He'd almost convinced himself he was old. Uh, you know, partly that the effect of that is Danny Glover, Glover's younger than the character. But I think part of the point was, they weren't really too old for this shit. Not really. What he was too old for is unnecessary risk. What he'd done is got that thing that happens with age, that you don't take unnecessary risks. People don't jump out of planes when they're 50, by and large. Um, And I think when Riggs comes along, it's like, hang on a minute, you're pitching me back into what I thought was a a dangerous period that I thought was behind me now. Um, If you have them coming back when the characters are sort of 60s, 70s, maybe even 80s, then them saying I'm too old for this shit is not going to work, is it? Because, well, yeah, of course you are. Yeah, um, but then there's always times that like, you think about all oh, Harrison Ford's coming back for Indy 5, and you're like, <sighs> I mean... I don't think that could do any harm because he's already done Indy 4. Do you know what I mean? I think once you break that perfect ending of them riding off to, into the sunset in Last Crusade... You mm. kind of you've shit the bed already. Why not? It might be good. You got new blood on it with Mangold. Let's give it a go. Why not? Well, yeah, true. But just just the idea of like, you know, it's like, well, if you got away with it before, I mean, surely, surely he's got to be like, yeah, from here just now. Um, I mean, fair enough. Mel Gibson can probably get away with it. He can probably sell like, like the aging aging guy yeah, who yeah, yeah. who's still dangerous. Yeah, in the sort of Liam Neeson in Taken kind of way, yeah. if you wanted to. Um, but, yeah, but especially with, like, Murtar, you think, 
No, that's, that's just not going to fly now. Uh, but anyway, um, I've got, kind of got off track there. We were just talking about your first thoughts and you were kind of yeah, wildly no, agreeing uh, with me. Yeah, I, I basically, so it basically just feels like a bit of a repeat. And I think that is probably the, what the main issue. Everything just feels a bit lightweight. And the reason for that is it was made for the sake of, like, let's just get together. Yeah, it's fun. We enjoy making this, making these movies. Let's let, let's just get to go. Let's like, let, 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 and it just, and it just seems to have so much. I mean, like you know, you'll 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 see my show notes, show notes before. Like it's like you got you got this. You got like, you know, Mertar's Not not only is like um, you got a side plot of like Mertar, um like rumors of him like sort of on the take. Yeah. Which doesn't really go anywhere. That's that's, that's just like a side thing that just doesn't really. It's a setup for a one an embarrassing one-liner. It's it's set it's a setup for this film's equivalent of him watching like a condom advert with his daughter. In that like the explanation for that money is meant to make his like make him look a bit embarrassed. It's cringe comedy. And but things are, it's, it's not even set up properly because you kind of forget about it, and yeah. it, and it's kind of it's kind of brought up occasionally. You think oh I wonder where this is going, and it's like oh is that it. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't really sort of... I mean, and why it, it, is it in films, whenever you've got a character who might be on the take, but you know they're a good guy really, so it must be unlikely, they're splashing a cash around like it's water. It's like, that. that's... Motos a bit brighter than that, surely? <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, it, 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 it kind of like, you, you kind of lost something where you kind of, it, you know, you think back to the second movie... I mean, we didn't talk about this when we read the second movie, but there's a bit where he like he picks up he picks up like some money, and he's just like sort of wow, like what more than just put all my kids through college, like literally just like, and and Briggs kind of says why why don't you take it? And at first you think like he's being like sort of dead, like kind of, almost like judgmental, like making the point, and he's like yeah I kind of see it, and Briggs like no no fucking do it. <laughs> Yeah. Do something good with it. Fuck it. You know, we, you kind of it could, it could have played on that a little bit. Like, At no it's, point it's, did we think, well, yeah, he must be stealing money. Yeah. You know, so and the joke's not worth it anyway. I think you know I, I would add that. So on, on top of that, you got yeah. like, and also him, like sort of the, all the comedy stick of like of of his family, like of like not telling that. Oh, by the way, your daughter's married. Which yeah. which I thought. Watching it, watching it back now, you know, as 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 someone older, not like someone like still at school, you don't really sort of think about the sort of things like that. I mean, that's that that just that's meant to be played for comedy, and I just sort bought that as a oh comedy stick. But thinking about that now, I'm like, that's really fucked up. I mean, imagine like how you would feel like your daughter, like your whole family kept from you, like your daughter got fucking married. Your like, immediate thought was, how, how scary do you how think I am? You, you, my immediate reaction like, was, do, do you think I'm happen? an abusive husband and father or something? Yeah. I mean, how the fuck does that happen? Did you not remember the day they popped out for a McDonald's breakfast dressed in morning suits and a wedding gown? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> It reminded me again, uh, because it's so fresh in my mind, and we talked about this fairly recently, we talked about it last week actually, Coming to America, the sequel, in that firstly it feels like a a bit of a let's get get, get together and have a bit of fun, it feels greatest hits, you know, the whole like, (laughs) no, no, Riggs is too old for this shit, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, 
the barking woman in in coming to america we've mm-hmm. done that joke again and the boxing jokes again but also one of the things i forgot to say and i must give credit to whichever podcast it was that brought it out i brought it up i think it might be now playing they made the point with the coming to america sequel that tracy morgan and leslie jones are there for the exact same purpose in terms of their effect on screen they're, they're both the sort of loudmouth comic relief and two of them is too much well pesci and rock here are too much and so it's a film just kind of botched in its execution but it's it's botched in concept as well yeah. I don't, you know so they should have really cast what should have cast someone who's a bit more like quieter should we say well yes or don't have pesci in it but i feel like pesci's only in it for the comedy gold of him sparring with chris rock which isn't funny and we'll get to it well humor's subjective but i would struggle to believe what anyone would enjoy watching it because the dialogue feels ad-libbed it feels like they're just saying any old shit to be shouting against each other um but pesci seems to be there almost for the final shot of the film like they've become one big family Mm. you know he's not needed in this film he wasn't fucking needed last week either um, in fact, I wouldn't have had Joe Pesci in this series at all. But there you go. Um, and I just think it's—I just think the whole thing's really, really messy. Is it offensively so? No. But what I expected going in was—I I was never the hugest Lethal Weapon fan. In that, I like Lethal Weapon a lot, by the way. But when Becca said at the outset of the series, "Are you two of the fans?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not really. I've seen Lethal Weapon maybe half a dozen times." and the sequels, you know, the first sequel a couple of times, and then the other two, like, once each. But because I wasn't a big fan, I've seen Lethal Weapon, the original, several times since this point, but when I went to the cinema to watch this, they weren't films I had... They were films I had some affection for, in that I wanted to go and see another one of these buddy cop films, you know, that which I thought of in my head as comedies. Um, but I didn't... I wouldn't have got any offence out of it. So I expected all these years later, three weeks on from recording the Lethal Weapon review, to find this kind of like cartoonish. Well, it sort of is, but my primary response to it was I was really bored. And I think the last thing I want to say as a sort of intro to it was I feel really sorry for Rene Russo with this film. You know, she signed up to do another Lethal Weapon film and they give her nothing to do. Except I yeah, want she doesn't get... really get much of a look in, does she? I must say here, I do kind of, I do, I do agree. I sort of feel for a little bit, like I kind of feel like with the with Chris Rock or um, Joe Pesci, I kind of feel like she should have like one or the other. I think both is like similar to the previous. Sorry to hijack your point. No, go on. Um, but just kind of feel like the previous film like, is it's quite busy. There's a lot going on. I kind of feel like if you're going to introduce a new character, then maybe you know sort of drop the other one. But um, I mean, it's, you know, you've got comedy relief. You know. It's, He's, he's quite good as as he's very memorable as Leo definitely, um, but I kind of feel there's kind of a bit a bit too much maybe either or perhaps. But yeah, Rennie Russo it seems to be a bit of an afterthought. I mean you know she's an amazing actress, and you know obviously played a you know love interest, but I kind of hear you know she, apart from falling pregnant she's sadly given very little to do. So I agree well, with you on problem. that front. She's heavily sure. pregnant for a lot of the film because this film yeah. has a very indeterminate timeline. Well, it, it's a completely determinate fi- timeline if you think about it because he's told he's told she's pregnant. They've known for a while, so let's assume she's two and a half to three months pregnant. But she has a baby at the end, so the film covers about six months, I'm guessing, right? But in terms of where, we, in terms of time passing between scenes, it's kind of indeterminate till you see the baby bump. But there's two things. Firstly, they've stuck a baby bump on her, so that gives her nothing to do when she was like quite a kick-ass agent in the last film or cop. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but secondly, I think it's of its time in that 98 is not like decades and decades ago, not generations ago. 
but at the same time now, I struggle to think what would happen if you pitched one of these films and someone said, so what about the Cole character in this film? Oh, she really wants to get married. And, and that's like, it. And? And, that, and, that, and, and? That's well, well she's pregnant. What? And that's it. <laughs> I, I think you'd struggle with this now. And I just feel a bit sorry for her. She signed up to do it. I'm presuming there would be no option on her services six years after the previous film. Uh, but having signed up to do it, she's utterly wasted here. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of just... It needs to have more to do other than get married, have a baby, you know, sort of thing. But, I mean, oh, well, what it, are you going to do? I mean, it, it makes sense, sort of, you know, thinking about, like, you know, Riggs <laughs> kind of getting over. I mean, I get that kind of finality of it. Definitely, kind of... and, I, and bear in mind, we know she's the love interest. Uh, it's not that I think she should have a role like the main two but mm. there's better way to use it than I really want to get married yeah um, or um, it could be through kind of reframed through um, you know like Mel Gibson's character for example who you know he's obviously been been married before and you know, maybe it's kind of looking at it like through his lens perhaps but obviously being late 90s they obviously don't frame it in that way um, so maybe it's kind of you know, something to do through like you know through him kind of settling down and, and getting married and wanting another but i don't you know for, for me it just kind of it falls a bit flat and yeah they could give her you know lots more to do but hey ho yeah i mean let's get it in perspective i'm not offended by this oh no of course <laughs> uh, not. at no, no, all no. but it's just like yeah i was you, offended you, by you, some you of would, the um you would anti-asian probably, sentiments you, you'd be sent back to think again now if you pitched this as her character arc i think um mm. But anyway, with that, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Yeah, let's let's so. Um, you don't sound convinced, Chris. Uh, hmm? Yeah, okay. Mm, yeah, I don't. Why not? We've got two hours. It's fine. I mean, I mean, I, I, I might might be a bit of a rambling one because I actually can't remember too much. But um, that's the point. So... I watched it three <laughs> days ago and I can struggle to remember it. Uh, the first uh, shot, of the f- the first scene of the film. No, it, no rubbish uh, sting song. So no, sure that. so that's better. Although they do kind of. Yeah, like, that was It still feels a bit like parody because you've got like the credit, the, the title coming in really like powerfully. Um, mm. But the opening sequence of this film is a bit like last week's done properly. In that last week's, I thought they were trying so hard to make Riggs look like he was still a bit dangerous, that they had him do really stupid things. This is a little bit more conventional, and them having like banter between them actually does work pretty well. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, definitely. You can definitely see like they have chemistry together, still. Um, and they're not pretending this bit of the story is important. It's some nutcase doing something really crazy. Yeah, uh, basically a flamethrower and um, a machine gun. Uh, Shooting up like the, the street somewhere, and in an um, armored suit, so you can't just. Well, yeah. they do fire a lot at him, but it's not doing a lot. Yeah, kind of like sort of bulletproof off. Yeah, so um, so you, you have that it's pissing it down, um, and amongst all that, they're kind of like you know, just basically sort of chatting as if they were like just just driving the car really. Drive at him, <laughs> yeah, but he'll fire us. No, he's not going to turn around. That's all good. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um... Uh, it, it, well, will it? We will it? He's turning around. Uh, so. <laughs> um, and then they end up basically to cut a long story short with this. They end up sort of hiding behind their car while he's firing the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that, he's told he's going to be a dad. Riggs is. Yeah. 
And so like, Murtaugh tells him he's going to be a grandfather. Oh, sorry, Riggs tells Murtaugh he's going to be a grandfather. Yeah, because I mean. they're like saying, "Oh, you, 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 you go," because I, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've not got anything to. Uh, you, you, you've got kids to look after. You got a granddaughter. Yeah, so they're both of them are like saying, "Kind of be protective," because like, no, you're going to be dad. No, you're going to be grandfather. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Riggs is like, "I'll go out and draw his fire." You know, so what if I die? I have this woman, but you have children, and you're, you're going to be a granddad. Well, actually, you're going to be a father. Yeah. Um, so they get Murtaugh to distract him by stripping down to his underwear and clucking like a chicken. <laughs> While Riggs um, shoots the, um, uh, like the sort of like the, it's like a gas chamber. canister on the back, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. The chamber sort of like turns him flying and, and, and explodes an, an entire petrol station. Um, and he says, oh, well, do you really think it helped, like, you know, doing, doing the chicken thing? He's like, no, I just want to see if you do it. <laughs> what I love about that, though, is Danny Glover's smart enough to play that really, like, kind of jazzed. It was scary, but he was like, yeah, great, do, do you think that helped? He, no, he, I just want to see if you it's did like, it. It's like coming down coming down from, like, hydrolin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then I have to admit, I'm, I'm looking at the synopsis myself. I must have looked, literally looked away from the screen for a couple of seconds. Because apparently there's a title card that says almost nine months later, and I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, there was. I remember uh, seeing that. Uh, I don't remember seeing that, and I, I'm obviously we don't see Renny Russo for a little while or straight away. I, I wasn't immediately where we passed that much time. Absolutely. Um, so where do we start? Are we do we start with them on the boat? Yeah, so they're on the boat with uh, Pesci. Yeah. With Leo, um, and they're they're fishing. Pesci like. That's caught a shark, and they sort of he's about to like shoot it, <laughs> which I don't think is probably a good idea. Yeah, this is all, it's on the boat. We're not we're not he's not yeah. shooting at the water because he's caught it on the line. It's in the boat, and he's about to fire at it. Yeah, it just reminded me of the in between mm-hmm. us that when they like built beat a fish up on the. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's now a private detective, and basically they need to get run aground by like some much much bigger boat like mm. a cargo ship and so they end up getting involved and it's it's got like a Chinese family on it doesn't it they, they look like they're being <laughs> yeah, brought over I mean, slave labour or something yeah essentially that's what it turns out to be it turns out to be like a boat full of like you know China, like uh, illegal image used for well basically modern slavery essentially yes yeah. Um, kind of like sort of told to sort of you know enticed out like oh come Come to America, come to America. Um, we'll, we'll sort you out. But basically, sort of like you'll just be working for them for yeah, fuck all. Um, so yeah, so there's a bit of actually. Um, Riggs has got a, a laser point on his on his gun, you know, because you know, bit life and that. <laughs> it, it's the cool thing to do. He was expecting fishing to be quite hardcore that night. <laughs> Yeah, but that's one of his new things. He's, he's got like a laser laser sight on his on his uh, Beretta, which is a. Uh... It's a midlife crisis, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm never too sure. Like, surely, surely those things don't really help. Well, I suppose like, you sp- I've I've, sp- I've no experience in firing guns, but I'm pretty no. sure those things don't really help. 
If you fired a gun while saving a Chinese family from modern slavery, write to us and expect <laughs> us to talk at gmail.com. Yes, I mean, maybe I'm full of shit there, but yeah, I don't know, I was thinking, if, if you're a good shot, you're a good shot, you don't really need the blazer. Uh, surely in the dark you just draw more attention to yourself, but I don't know. Oh, and that as well, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, it looks cool in movies. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, what, what else do we say? Yeah, so basically there's a there's fight, there's a big um, bit of a shootout, boat sinks, uh, one of the guys gets away, which they clock, but they don't manage to catch. Um, and and Leo and um, Mertar kind of shit themselves over, over the shark, the shark gets away. Um, and yeah, so obviously they're getting debriefed by what's happening and oh, the, the legal element's going to be sent back home, you know. This um, is the yeah. this is the problem with this film in a nutshell, actually. Because think of the tone of this scene; it's all over the place. We've got comedy with Pesci, we've got like action, but we've got a modern slavery theme at the same time yeah. as like our comedic like factors. They're gonna shoot the shark and loses the shark, and it's like, what are you going for here? Well, yeah, because you know you got you obviously got like you know. Murtaugh, he, he probably takes things a bit to to heart, especially with the the slavery angle. So he so he, he finds um, like so you know like a family hidden hidden in like one of the um, the boats, the um, what do you call the? It was like a life raft, wasn't it? Yeah, a life raft. Yeah, sorry, that that, that was yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah, um, hiding there. So we don't know what happens over. So the next morning we see. Rick's coming back from what probably been that night. Yeah. Probably eat, looks like he's eating chips or fries if you're in the states. Yeah. Probably had a burger and fries. Coming home to um, uh, Rene Russo, uh, a very pregnant Rene Russo, uh, who is like ha- making breakfast. I'm just I'm just amazed how much like food's on display here because like it is is Rick coming back from eating like you know, just he's literally just finishing off like some some chips or whatever. Yeah. And he's like sitting down having like croissants and <laughs> and yeah. donuts and whatnot. And I'm just and, thinking, fucking hell, and, like hell. And b- baby aside, there's two of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like, I'm like, uh, like I mean, I can I can understand her from like you know about you know about you know with being pregnant or like her yeah. appetite, but I just thought, Jesus Christ, how are you putting away? I, I don't want to make this a heavier point than it is because, like I say, I, it, it's not that big a deal. But bear in mind what this character was in the last film, and there she is, pregnant, like cooking a man breakfast. It's just like there's nothing wrong with a woman cooking a man breakfast. I'm mm-hmm. not criticising it particularly heavily, but it's just the first sign that it's like you ain't got nothing for this woman to do here, have you? Um, yeah. It, Riggs's pad is now beefed out a bit, so there's a nice little extension. Yep. It's kind of like kind of made it a bit more like like an actual house now. Um, yeah. I suppose yeah. after being shot to shit, like you know, ten years ago, I suppose it would be. Uh, yeah. um, Mind you, that's yes. underestimating what some men are like. If that was my house, they'd still be fucking bullet holes there. I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> I'll sort it at some point. It's it's California. It's warm. I don't need. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, or or, or, the, my so, yeah. Wa- or my wife would be there doing it while I'm making tea. Because I'm shit at anything DIY. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, 
So what was it? Yeah, so this is where like she because she, she she works for like you know the the DA. Uh, she's like there's rooms around like like uh, Murtaugh's on the tape, you know, but don't mention it, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, Kind of don't, kind of doesn't believe it's true and whatnot, but it's, it's no. But I mean that that's famous. perfectly that's perfectly re- given their positions, who who works where. That's the sort of thing that if you were Riggs, and you went home to your wife, mm-hmm. she would probably just tell you in passing. Yeah, we did forget. Also, we have introduced to Chris Rock as well as Butters. Yeah. Uh, before now, like this, like after like the the big old thing with the the boat. And so it's introduced that he's a bit, uh, he's very dramatic, you know, he's very, he's very much like, oh, God, you know, like, the injustice in the world, that kind of thing, like, looking to almost like trying try to, like, impress. Do you know what that reminded me of? Um, what? Very early episode of The Office, the original UK version of The Office, where Gareth is trying to sound, like, sensitive to a woman, so he says, isn't Schindler's List a brilliant film? There's something about that. He's trying to impress Myrtle. So he's really yeah. like laying it on thick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we find out why now, because he sort of, he mentions that, because um, they know, like, you know, um, his daughter's pregnant, but don't know who. Like, there's some some reason, like, that's just not a question that is, no one seems to be interested in. Apparently. So his, his single daughter walks in and goes, Dad, I'm pregnant. And he goes, all right. That's it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, not paid much attention to your condom, but have you? <laughs> <laughs> they would have given you freebies as well for appearing. Couldn't you have given some some to your Uncle Martin as well? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, so back to this bit. Um, this is where we mentioned that it's, um, She's actually married, and <laughs> there's actually married butters or biscuits or what, what he's called. So it's like, because, oh, that's that, like that, so that, many that, nicknames. What? He calls him like all the names under the sun, apart from his actual name. Biscuits is his nickname. I read a plot synopsis when I was watching it a while ago, or I think we're introduced to him as butters first. I made a little list. You got biter, butters, butler, boogers. Burger, Buckles, Putter, Burton. I thought I'd misremembered because I thought I'm sure he was called Biscuits, and I'm like, no, no, that's a nickname. Butters, both are correct. Yeah, he gets called all the names. <laughs> yeah, they're desperately trying to make this character happen in this film, and it kind of doesn't. Does he pop? Up, does he pop up in the in the series at all? Or I don't know. It's, it's more of like a prequel, isn't it? I guess. I, I don't even know if they're in the same sort of universe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I suspect the TV shows are reimagining. Probably. But a similar... Anyway, sorry. Result... What, the Leaf Weapon TV show? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. It's, 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 like, it's, it's basically like a remake. Yeah, that's what oh, okay, I yeah, I didn't, because I'd not seen the films, I just thought, I just didn't pay attention. Yeah, no, no, I can imagine, I mean, you wouldn't have a Lethal Weapon TV show years after all the films without, like, retelling them being partnered, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Damon Wayans it was, I'm just, or Wayne's, I think it's pronounced, isn't it? Yeah. Damon Wayne's. Why? He was um yeah. he was in Last Boy Scout, written by yeah. Shane Black. Yeah. I'm actually so, oh, looking to see if there's like a Butters in the there's a Leo Getz. Leo Getz is in the T V show. Ah, uh-huh, that was it. Play oh I didn't I didn't know there was a Leo Getz in the T V show. Who plays him? 
Thomas Lennon. Look him up. You know him. Probably. You do know him. I promise you, you know him when you look him up. Um, I'm just looking to see if there's a... I mean, I, I'm going to stop looking in a minute because it's show, slowing the show down. But uh, I'm getting quite a way down the t- cast list without seeing a butters. So, I mean, strangely enough, they didn't take their cue from Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, so, yeah, where do we go from there? I'm, I'm really needing help on the plot of this thing, Chris, or the scenes anyway, from scene to scene. Yeah, if only we had some facts or... <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, wrong bit. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know anything, Chris, no, that's, it wasn't the cue. <laughs> um, have we seen yeah, the police so, station yet? Yeah, so Where, they, no, we, no, we, we haven't seen you that know, yet. The, yeah, Riggs, um, Riggs and Cole go, uh, basically go and visit Murtar, and this is where they find out that he's got... Um, the family. He's got a, yeah, an immigrant Chinese family living with him because they're like all cooking like you know Chinese food and um, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> although to to quote friends, they just call it food. Yeah. Um, and so and yeah, so uh, Rene Russo is uh, like all into like the cooking. She's craving it. Um, you see Murtar being a bit plush with his money. Yeah. Uh, which sort of like, oh, where, where'd you get that? But uh, obviously, um, Riggs is teasing him throughout, like with the whole like, you know, you know, son-in-law type thing. Yeah. Or does he do that? Some does he do it there? He, do, he does it throughout anyway. Yeah, he kind of nearly gives butters away many, many times, mm. like deliberately, almost. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So basically, finds out he's like he's he's don't like like this this could be. This could be serious. Like, what we're going to do anyway? So they, go, they go to the police station. Um, they're all t- still taking the piss out of him for like the getting stripping down and, and clucking like a chicken. There's like pictures of it. Like they keep putting them, which Riggs keeps obliging as well. He keeps putting it up. Um, yeah, but he's, uh, because Riggs, because Murtaugh's always walking away, Riggs is able to go in. Yeah. If I catch the person who's doing this, just as he's doing it. Yeah, um, that was one of the few things that felt kind of lethal weapon to me through all this. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so he gets a, they, they go visit the captain and they get promoted for no reason whatsoever. For no reason. This is meant to be a joke because they get to call each other captain and it's meant to acknowledge the amount of damage they cause. It's something to do with the insurance has lapsed and they can't insure them as lieutenants. Yeah. Or sergeants, sorry. They're sergeants, aren't they? Um, so they both get made captains and then they sort of waltz out having a good laugh about that and then it's ignored for the rest of the film until the sort of dialogue scene where they're told they can go back to being sergeants again. Utterly I fucking pointless. It, <laughs> really fucking is. Like, I mean, I can understand, I can understand it if, if, if they just wrote it in a way which said, like, wow, I want to make you captains because I, you know, I want you to stay out of trouble. And then the film happened and they don't stay out of trouble, so they just demote like, them. All right, it. forget it. Then you can go back to being sergeants, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't... That, that, I would also have accepted it if this scene was really funny. I mean, they're, they're, they're never bad. They're always good around each other. Do you know what I mean? And and they and, and Mel Gibson's great at that sort of faux baffled. He looks a bit kind of like, all right then. <laughs> but it's not a funny enough scene for something that's never really picked up again. It, it's just, it's padding. And the funny thing is, this is the longest Lethal Weapon film. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. It's not super long. It's like two hours and seven minutes or something. But the first one's like an hour and three quarters. And the last couple are, I think, still shy of two hours. So they've made the longest Lethal Weapon film to throw in shite like this. But anyway, whatever. So they're now um, captains. They're now captains. Um, uh, they kind of... They basically inquire about, like, the... Um, this is like the obituary of like other other cops, but the you know the, the other two people cops because they they working in in this department, so they sort of inquire about what they know. Yeah. And I figured out by watching this film that these two cops are basically the only ones that actually do any actual police work, so actually know anything. Yeah, Rick and, and Murtaugh like, again don't do any actual like detective they, work this week. <laughs> <laughs> these cops actually are there to explain what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> what detective work have you done while we've been driving around? <laughs> Essentially, yes. Yeah, so they sort of like, so well, you know, the the, the big guy around is this um this uh triad boss uh, uh Uncle Benny. Oh, you put Uncle it ben. this way, just off the point, Murtar, after all these years of experience, can't even detect who's fucked his daughter. <laughs> so like, <laughs> they're not that good at this. He Riggs, Riggs had no idea that his own girlfriend was pregnant. And then they're told go out and solve crimes. It's not a surprise they're a bit shit at it, really. <laughs> well, you know, they're too busy to wrecking the city, aren't they? I mean, basically, uh, so... Riggs is pretty good at fist fights, so when he gets too old for that, he has nothing else. <laughs> so, yeah, the. the, 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 the um, they've, oh, I got um, un- Uncle Manny, they go and, go and speak to Butters, which uh, Riggs kind of sort of teases and like, sort of puts the idea that. Do you think maybe he's gay and he likes you? So that makes Murta all like kind of nervous and around so him. One of the biggest stand-ups in the world around this time, and the funniest thing about him in the film is the guy he's playing against looking a bit uncomfortable at him. That's yeah. it, really. The whole the whole thing is like Murta's like you know really he honestly thinks this guy like is sexually attracted to. Him. So yeah. Which is fine in its own in itself, but yeah, I mean that sort of gay panic humor is very very nineties. Friends was full of it, but it kind of works. But again, it's like, do you notice apart from the picking up of the family, um, which we don't know is relevant yet, um, we've not discussed anything plot related yet. I was going to say, we haven't really got into the meat and bones of this film, really, have we? So, well, yeah, but that's not us being slow, it just, it, nothing happens in this film this for quite a long saying, time. This is what I'm saying, not for plot. So we're about to sort of, they, they decide to sort of... There's more character than plot, I think. Because the, so they ask Butters, um, I, I keep saying Butters because it's Biscuits, isn't it? Was it no, oh, but, got Butters is his name, Biscuits is like a nickname. Oh, sorry. It does get confusing sorry, yeah. though, and I got mixed up myself. Um, but yeah, uh, so... They, they sort of ask him, "Oh, how's it going?" He's like, "Well, you know, I'll, I'll get him." And they, they say, oh, "So, why don't you come along? We, you know, we maybe got Lee's uncle Benny." So, all, all three of them go. Uh, they have a run in with um, Leo. He was like telling them as for practice. Yeah, um, I think we've said he's a private. Deter- he's a private investigator now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have him and him and Rock have an argument. What Leo um, and yeah, that's in the office, isn't it? 
No, this is this is like in the car because he power apart. He, he parts like. He oh, sorry, I'm thinking parts. of later. But the the scene I keep referring to with them playing against each other is two of the same thing, and it doesn't work. Is by like Riggs' desk later. Yeah, well, it's basically a Chris Rock skit. Yeah. For about for about two minutes. Yeah, but it's meant to be like um, observational comedy, and none of what he's observing is that amusing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go anyway. On. And uh, this is so a yes, stand-up, have, I think it's good. Bit. This is a good stand-up. Chris Rock is a very, very good stand-up. I'm not knocking his talent. I'm saying they've not captured it correctly here. And pointing a camera at somebody and say, you know, just saying, say something, well, it's not necessarily going to be gold. And whoever's editing has to have an ear for what, what, you know, for what they're listening out for. It just seems that whatever Chris Rock says goes into the film, very like Jim Carrey mm-hmm. and like Batman Forever. It's just like, well... You did four quips, so we'll put four quips in. But anyway, the car scene's all right. They they set Leo up to be like arrested, basically. Yeah. Um, which is what they always do. And then, so they go you go see Uncle Ben. Yeah, what a fresh take on the uh, on the personal dynamics. So they go and see this Uncle Benny. Um, mm. Now the the funny thing is, I always think that like around this time this. Um, I think it might be in the same year. So definitely a similar sort of time. Um, the actor playing like the the mafia boss or, or Uncle, Uncle Benny plays another mafia boss called Uncle Benny in uh, the film The Corrupter, right? With Marky Markin. I, I always find it amusing that like he literally sort of played a, you know, a similar character with the same name in within the same year. <laughs> Could have been a wink. You may look that film up and find it's the same screenwriter or something. <laughs> But yeah, and um, and and probably and gets killed in a similar sort of way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um. So yeah. Uh. So he goes and sees. They go and see like this. But he goes to this basically Chinese restaurant. Um. And you have Jet Li. Jet Li's there. Um. He's been all. He, he kind of may he, he kind of has like disapproving kind of thoughts. He can kind of sort of sort of sort say in 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 like, I don't know if it's a Cantonese or or Mandarin or whatnot. But he says, "Oh, in, in Hong Kong, you'd be dead by now." You know, in other words, he's not very happy with how things are going and how Uncle Benny is running things. Um, but obviously, Uncle Benny's kind of. Concerned was when Riggs and Co walk in and insult him. Basically, um, they he's kind of like, no, don't don't talk to him, please. It's like almost like almost like it's a a, a big thing. Uh, so they kind of rub him the wrong way, uh, set the fire alarm off, and then uh, if you know the correct way to rub gently, write to us at expect us to talk at gmail.com. I imagine he's very smooth. Yeah. <laughs> right. If they smoothed him up, I would imagine. Which bit of him are we talking about? I'm really confused. I don't know. Anyway, carry on. Um, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Anyway, uh, so. Um, what were we saying? Yeah. So, um, obviously, yeah, so I think it turns out like the, the family that Myrtle has is. Basically, the important ones that that they were sewing over. 
they we were brought over um, as as payment for the counterfeiting that they got mm. their guys doing. That's why they're important. So Riggs and Co are, are leaving, um, and then they spot the the one well, the guy who got away in the boat with another guy, and then they chase them both. Now Riggs goes out after one guy, after that guy, and um, he loses him. He, get, he manages to get away, while uh, Chris Rock and Murtar arrest the other guy, who turns out just to be a waiter. Mm. Oh yeah, they chase this guy for ages, and he just ran because, like, yeah, that's kind of funny. He's, yeah, um, and he's like, oh yeah, he's like, I've got a very good lawyer and all that. Um, so yeah, but the other guy managed to get away, but then he doesn't because Jet Li's on a roof somewhere, and um, he, we see him do his uh, special kill, which is garroting with his uh, uh, like a little wire thing he's got, stuff in his beads. Yeah, he was expected because uh, of Bond, I expected to be in his watch. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, he's always carrying around these sort of beads uh, like, uh, for clarity, not anal beads. Yeah, <laughs> that could be. You don't know. <laughs> We'd have to be there to smell them. <laughs> the smell of death. The smell of death. His <laughs> anal beads. <laughs> I feel like that should have been in the fun fact section quiz. <laughs> well, don't know. Maybe we'll have to ask Becca later on. Anyway, so... <laughs> Becca, anal beads, discuss. Gently in the smell of death. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, carry on. Um, so yeah, they're kind of back to square one. Um, I kind of, I kind of lose track. Don't know what, don't know where we go. So yeah, the back of the police station. This is where we get have the, have the Chris Rock skit, basically with with Leo, where they kind of sort like you know taking a piss out of each other. Yeah. And um, I hated this. This this was this was like literally the worst bit of the film for me. Like, mm. literally, it was just emblematic of everything wrong with the film in that I just thought, you, you don't really know what you're doing here, so you just point a camera at this guy. And the banter's terrible, and it, it, it feels like it's almost meant to be, like, I don't know, two fucking titans of cinema meeting or something. It's just, it doesn't work for mm. me at all. I don't know about you. So, yeah, so basically, Hong, the, the family in question is the Hongs. Yeah. Um, and the father managed to sort of like uh, contact his uncle, uh, but that also leads to um, the triads to Murtar's house. Yeah, where we have a, a bit of an action scene, bit of a confront, uh, confrontation with Jet Li, who uh, you know managed to sort of take him take them all out. Yeah, uh, takes apart Briggs's gun and set the place set, set the house on fire, and. Yeah, one of the kids um, who, who they missed comes along and, and cuts them, cuts them free, and they manage to get away. And it basically just goes into another big chase scene. Yeah. Um, which is okay. I mean, it's one of those things where you've seen Murtaugh and you think, not Murtaugh, sorry, Riggs, and you, and you think you think back to the first one where. He he re, you know he was the lethal weapon like he was like like a killing machine, and now he's just like 
fumbling around like everyone else. I just think of of all the film series you can bring back and make work on the same terms as the first film, if you like. Lethal Weapon isn't it, because the name means something. You know, it's not just any old body cop film. Lethal Weapon, the first film was called Lethal Weapon because of him. And this is not what it is anymore. Yeah, I think that's probably my gripe with how the series ended, really. Especially with the third one, because you know, from now it's just well, he's not that he's not lethal at all, really. He's just he just likes to get up to all shenanigans. Yeah, he's just he's he's more a bit of a joker than anything else. You know mm. what I mean? It's like he, he's 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 unpredictable weapon to some degree, but that's about it. Um, I, in some respects, that is kind of a bit of a redundant criticism because it's been like that since arguably the second mm. film and certainly the third. But I mean, if you're gonna do action scenes with like older guys like this, they've got to be—they've really got to be good. And this kind of isn't. But hey, yeah. So yeah, there's a big action scene, there, a bit, bit of a bit of a chase. And Riggs is like sort of, sort of being dragged across um, in in the chair. Uh, they manage to sort of get back in the car and they drive through um, drive through a building and not kill anyone. Thank God. Um, Thank God. Yeah. And <laughs> you always think about what about some of these sort of films. It's, like, it's very convenient, isn't it, when they don't like kill anyone? Um, so, uh, yeah, and so basically, sort of, doesn't the guy get away? Yeah, he does. And it just leaves, like, rigs hanging. Yeah, that's right. Um, and between now and then, we have. Riggs sort of admitting that he's too old for this shit because he like because he's in the locker room after sort of oh kind of you know dislocated my arm again oh never mind I'll I'll get you next time and it's like shit I'll fucking lose it so we get that that whole thing that you know getting too old of the shit um, we we kind of find out what the bad guys actually are doing the bit so basically Jet Lee's brothers in this sort of group called the Forefathers yeah. And they're using, they're trying to get Catwoman money to basically buy them back out from a corrupt Chinese general, essentially. Yeah, he's trying Isn't to buy. He's, he's basically trying to buy out. Um, he's trying to buy out these four triad leaders, basically, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and it's just not worth the build-up, if we're honest. But there you go. Yeah. So they get uh, and potentially sort of you know sort of. Get 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 a buy them out in America, and then they can basically sort of run a crime ring in America, essentially. Mm. Um, that's 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 the general idea. I, I would say uh, that the, the the plots have not been the strongest bits of mm. these films, really, have they? No. Any of them. So, so the rest of the Hongs there, they're with the bad guys now. Uh, they bring in um, the father who, who meets his uncle. Mm. Um, and the uncle who is the uncle is basically sort of like um, who establishes as an artist who is he's basically sort of making the making like the the painting like the fraudulent money yeah. essentially so, yeah. um, and he, he says no I'll, I'll only I'll continue work once once they're like safe and and, and, and free so to speak and 
basically Jet Li just just kills just kills him in front of him. Um, we should probably one I could probably stand out part for him as well because um, I don't know there's something about like Jet Li because he's such he's got such a like a young innocent kind of face and when he does something like as brutally harsh as that. He's a, very quiet. Kind of just he's a very, very quiet screen presence. Yeah. But when he sort of does yeah. something like, something that's kind of like, ooh, that's a bit nasty, isn't it? And he kind of just sort of like smiles at him, kind of like, it, it does leave a bit of a creepy edge to it. Yeah, definitely. I'd go along with that. Um, so, they they do that. The uh, uh, Riggs go to see Uncle Benny get, get into the dentist, and they have a big, bit of a whack. Oh yeah, this is chuckle. There's very few film, uh, scenes in this film that stand out as particularly good to me, but this was funny. I, I will no, I give you know. this was funny. I don't know what what happens with laughing gas, but what's it like? Does it make you piss yourself laughing? I don't know. And then I mm. make you like kind of lose yourself, like sort of spilling out secrets and finding them hilarious. I mean, yeah, the logic of the scene doesn't work, but this is a film that has largely bored me. I mean. The number of episodes we've done as like a podcast where I've sat here and basically led us through the plot. Chris does quite a lot as well, but there's been several where I said, so we move on to this next, don't we? And and so on. And in this episode, Chris is doing all of it. And it's because like I struggled. I struggled. I watched it. I paid attention. I, I'm, I'm, famili- I'm familiar with everything Chris is saying to me, but I'm just so massively unengaged by it. So when we got to a scene where... There was like a bit of laughter and levity and fun. I was like, yeah, I'm all right with this. And this is where everything comes out. They're basically sort of like the, the you know, Murtaugh finds out that Butters is actually, you know, um, the, you know the father of uh, uh, Rianne's daughter. Uh, daughter. What the fuck am I talking about? father of Rianne's child, yeah. Rianne's daughter. Um, we don't know if it's a daughter at this stage. Yeah. But anyway, carry on. Uh, so, so that that all comes out, um, and then yeah, we basically just sort of moves forward because all I remember now is they they go speak to the other cops who basically sort of go oh they mention something like the forefathers oh the forefathers oh like the, oh this is oh they're, they're a big deal oh do you not think they'll probably be so basically the, these two detectives tell everything that go that's going on and they go. Right, well, I've got a good guess where the, where they might be mean. Great, let's go there. And that's what happens. So uh, I know, I, I, and that was the point in the film where I thought about it, and I literally thought of your show notes, which you haven't written all of yet for this show. But I'm sure in one of the previous shows we talked about it, and you put in there like how little actual detective work they do or how bad they are at it. And this film is another example. Everything, everything except the actual like fist fighting and car chases is spoon-fed to them. And um, so yeah, they don't actually do any cop work at all. So when they're saying we're too old for this shit, it's like, yeah, you might be, because the only bits you can actually do with this is the physical stuff. So yeah, they do get some help off like a cop to say this is what you need to know. Uh, yeah, so they turn up and they don't, and they just basically sort of show up and just sort of like ruin the party. They just go like, oh, by the way, that's fake money. Yeah. Look, well, there you are. Great. And then, and then, and then. Basically, there's a big shooter. Everyone shoots each other. The uh, this is uh, this is one of the things about why I remember seeing it initially. Uh, the UK cut the film, um, which really confused me because obviously these four fires are kind of built up as like I've, I've been set up like as part of the villains, right? And in the UK cut, 
you just see this big shootout and you don't actually see him at all, apart from like the one that the one that's like, Jet Li's brother. No, I mean, with think, the, with well, the, I have to say, with the exception of the fist fight on the lawn between Riggs and the Gary Boosie character in the first film, every single act three's lost me of all of this series, and I've, I've, there's so much about it I've enjoyed, but it, I'm, I'm ready to like switch it off by now. I'm, I'm not hating it, but I'm just like, I don't really care that much. This is all right. And you know what the worst thing is? I, I do remember now when I first saw it, and I had a reasonable time with it, and I certainly thought about it this time, I remember thinking, let's get to the end of the film where both babies are magically born at the same time in the same hospital. <laughs> Because I thought that, because I thought that's where this is going, isn't it? It's got to be. Um. So yeah. So the big the, the the general or the point I was making, it does cut out the the UK version. Actually, cut out the bit where Joe actually sort of shoots them like right, right at the bat. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which always confused me initially at first. I thought, what the fuck happened to them? You never actually see them. Like, you know what? You know. Always annoys me when the when the when the UK we used to cut things and things like that. I think like why? What Just... the worst thing about them cutting things is always, and this goes for the theatrical cut of the Taken sequels. Um, but it just strikes me that when these cuts are made, they're made with an eye to either um, a rating or if it's uh, on TV to mm-hmm. um, getting it in front of a certain audience at a certain time. And they don't give a shit about logic or how well like language changes work. So you will get things like in Taken, whichever one it was, three, I think, where one of the bad guys seems to die just by sitting down. He doesn't. He's speared on something. Um, and they think, well, we'll just call each other melon farmers and muddy funsters and no one's going to mind. And it's like, yeah. if you're going to butcher these things, I think it's inherently disrespectful in the first place, but needs much must, and there are business needs, and you want to show these things on airlines and things like that. At least butcher them with a little bit more respect. You know. I mean, I can I can understand it if it's like a movie you're watching on like in a plane because you're not really expecting like the best. You you get you kind of something just just it's to like watch let's take. Time. Pass our time, pass the time. You're doing a, a, a good enough job to get us films that are really recent. I mean, they do on air, airlines, decent airlines play mm. films that are sometimes still in cinemas or at least not very long out of them. Certainly, and though this is going, this is going to date badly because the release window is closing. But certainly, it would be in the window between cinema release and home release. Yeah. Um, that obviously is going to change. Um, so I was kind of grateful for what I was given. And like, I understand that you can't have sit, sit kids sit there and switch on whatever they feel like because dad's fallen asleep. You know what I mean? Mm. So I understand it, but it, it's frustrating when it it affects the logic of a film. And that taken example is one I've come back to again and again because I saw it in the cinema and I was like, I don't understand how he's died there. And of course, it's, I saw the harder cut yeah. and I was like, all oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's what to get a twelve A as well. It's, it's little, it's little shits like it's it's shit like that. And you think why? Well, you, you, you weren't going to do Avengers money. I think Liam Neeson is aimed at sort of. It's kind of the aging action fan anyway. Mm. A twelve-year-old's desperate to go and watch Taken. I don't know. I I imagine like forty-two-year-olds and fifty-two-year-olds are going to watch Taken. But anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, like Logan and Deadpool have kind of proved that kind of. 
wrong as well. So I think yeah. it, it 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 does it does depend to a degree. Um, to a degree, would Logan have done more money at a PG thirteen? We just we'll never know. But the question is, did it need to? Did it need to exactly? Cut you um, a little bit. You know, it's like well, you know, I mean, fine. You know, if you if you're twelve, yeah. you might not get a chance to see it, but. Yeah. At cinema, but let's get, Chris, works. let's cut to the chase. What else do we want to say about this bag of shite before we finish recapping it? <laughs> oh, it's not that. Oh. It's not that uh, bad. So... It, it, it's not one of the cinematic crimes we've covered. But again, no. it, this is this is kind of like I wouldn't say it's Rocky Four. This is Rocky Three compared to Rocky. Yeah, and I quite like Rocky Three. And I'm on I'm, um... you know, I'm on record with my views on that film. But yeah, it is. I don't know. I think Rocky Free is quite um, quite high praise. Um, I would probably yeah, but as much as Rocky Four has a massive cult following, it's ninety minutes of montages. This at least tries to have a fucking plot, you know. I don't know. Maybe it is. Okay, high praise. Given that I'm not as harsh on Rocky Five, I would say it's more Rocky Five. But then, I, but then I know my. That's not like the opinion of the masses. Um, it's Rocky Five if you liked it as much as you like Rocky Four, the average listener. <laughs> All right, fair enough. The point is, it's a big drop, and the point is, the, the the least I expected to feel watching this was boredom. I expected to think, oh, this is a bit thin, or this is a bit of an insult to the first one, or knowing there are two essentially comedic characters mm. in it, this is a bit in your face. But they take so long to get to the plot. They have a tiny bit of plot. They've got a load of things that go down blind alleys, like you know him on the take. That's just never going to be a thing. Is Rife effectively watch, writes what erotica porn basically? So what? And then we've got a load of action, 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 which is just about okay. And then we're into the sort of cheesy finale. So basically, we have like um, the fight, which is pretty decent with with Jet Li. Uh, it ends in a satisfactory way. Um, and yeah, you're thinking like, well, this is, the film's going to wrap up now, um, and then you got another twenty minutes. Which uh, after this viewing, I was thinking, why didn't you do this before? Like, surely this is something you do before the climax. Yeah. I mean, because not much is like you know, you, the kids, the kids being born now would make more sense that you got more to live for. Yeah, but they want to finish on. I mean, they want to finish on the freeze frame, the family photo. I know, I know, I know. But and, that, and, and that, in and of itself, I should be offended by that. But it's almost like the fucking winking fish in the sort of license to kill. I just go, oh yeah, well, you're just signing off. That's all right. Um, things, it, the, all the things I should be bothered by. The the photo should be top of my list, but I'm okay. They're saying goodbye. This has become light, almost fast. If you took, I mean, I, I was sat watching this thinking, what was its certification? And it has to have been at least a 15 over here, because there are a lot of F words yeah, in it. There are a lot of F words in it, because you can only get away with one, two in certain circumstances in like a 12, sort of PG-13 equivalent. So it's like R-rated. This is an R-rated film. But... If you're completely tolerant to bad language, like you're someone who doesn't worry about your kids hearing that, which I'm not saying you should or shouldn't be, I'm just saying if you are, this almost plays like fucking family fair now. So when they sign off with the cheesy goodbye we're all pals, I'm thinking, well that's kind of where the tone of these films have gone. But a bit like that early scene in the film where you've got comedy on the boat, 
but human slavery and action at the same time you've got like a very family friendly film with a load of really gritty language in it which cuts out a family audience so i'm just baffled as to what this film is going for is it a family friendly sort of victory lap or is it like no no we've still got some balls about us i don't know it's kind of i think at this point it just wants to i think it kind of knows the things it's kind of known for and just goes for it so it's like well you know people like the you know the the Riggs and Myrtle banter check it's known for having a bit of you know R-rated language alright check um, crazy action scenes well we don't want them too gritty we kind of like we you know audience seem to respond to more of the more comedic edges so let's let's go for a bit of a lighter tone check do you know what I mean? I think it's more along the lines of that. that's how it's gone. I think there's just kind of the whole... But it's a bit like when they saved the cat in the first film, in the third film. I, I, I joked about, is this focus grouped? And I think this film is focus grouped. Well, it's just kind of made for them, really. I don't mm. think it's really made for mm. you know, like fans of the original film. I mean, I think they've, they've kind of made fans they've gone along and people like that and I think they've kind of maybe made made it for themselves and for all of what I've said I don't I don't begrudge them this I don't I don't begrudge fans of this film this film it's all right you know and they they all finished in quite a nice place and if you look if you went if you just took Riggs's arc and and forgot about how we got there and whether the character is still suitable for these types of films or forget all of that Remember where he was in 1987, sat on the sofa with a gun in his mouth, thinking he'll never love again, can't get over his wife. In this film, he's able to go to the grave and say, I love her. And he's able to like start a family. And he's still got that wider mm. family of Myrtle. Where they've actually ended up is actually very nice. I just think that the two-hour film that precedes it is a little bit boring. I just found the last bit a bit too schmaltzy as well. It's just a bit too like, you know. I never like, I never, I never do like this this type of thing. No, um, I don't. Can you imagine a diehard film like, finishing with John McClane smiling at the camera? Well, yeah, quite. I mean, like, yeah. I, 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 I never, I never liked like the smaltzy love note to uh, when franchises do this when they write like a, a smaltzy love letter to to itself. Yeah, I was like, "Thank you to the." F-. I was like, "No, just, just fuck off for that just shit." Just do please. the film. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Uh, I I would. Uh, there's always a, a snobby bit to all of us, and I, I I'm sure there are things where, as much as I respect people's opinions, and I've really worked on that in the last sort of ten years of my life, and I'm pretty good at it now. That like like what you like, that's fine. Um. But there are still inevitably things where people say they like something or dislike something and you kind of sneer at them. Might be behind sort of a smile, but um, this isn't one of them. In that, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. This isn't my taste either. But people who are really invested in this series, in this camp, in these characters, if they liked the sign off where they just got the happy ever after ending, I'm kind of like, yeah, all right, if you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, you know, they tried to get. A, a scene in with Leo where Leo's explaining it's like a family to him too and that's actually not a badly written scene because he's kind of explaining it really awkwardly as you would expect him to be 
you know he, he's not one to sit and talk about his feelings yeah. So it's not all bad. I, I he's, not, he's not on all two, is he? No, I, I, I kind of, you know, the, when Briggs realizes he's getting too old for it, yes, it's on the nose, but like that's a character point. I get it. Um, Riggs going and talking to his wife's grave. They could have made that really schmaltzy. I think they played that okay. I think that the family feel of all of them is still good fun. I think the opening scene of the film's really funny. There are things about this I really like. There, there's a way that Renny Russo and Mel Gibson are around each other that's not exactly... They're not exactly like burning the screen with chemistry, but they have like an easy way around each other I quite like. Plenty about this film to like, but for me, Chris Rock and Joe Pesci are too much of a similar thing. The plot takes too long to get going. The plot's uh, difficult, you know, not that interesting anyway. None of the plots have been that interesting, to be honest. It's always been about character. And I just kept looking at the time and thinking, we've only just got to that, and we've only just got to that, and then, but hang on, we're in the final act really quickly. So it's a very strange piece of work. It's not an offensive piece of work, but yeah, this was the series that gave us Lethal Weapon and what they've given here, us here. Maybe Die Hard 4 is closer to the mark, I don't know. It, it's definitely a long way past its peak. Definitely. So, um... Chris, give us your final thoughts. Final thoughts. So, um, I sound like I've been completely down on this film. So I'm going to bring it back a little bit. I mean, it's not like I, you know, I did not enjoy my time with it. It is an easy watching film. Um, you know, the, the cast are all like well enough. Uh, the, the clearly still have chemistry. It's all, it, it, you know, it's, to, in its defence, it is like, you know, a, you know, it's like welcoming an old friend. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so, I don't sort of, you know, dislike it as much as it might, I might have sounded like it might. I think my just frustrations, um, of it are a bit more louder, <laughs> so to speak. But that's only because really, you know, I think back, you know, I, I like the first one so much, I kind of wish it kind of maintained some of the grittiness, some of the darkness, especially with the character. I think it just kind of, it, it's... It, it's let things slide. Oh, it didn't have to. Um, and I, I think that's that's where I'm with it. I mean, I'm not a fan of the the smoky ending. I'm not particularly. I don't. I think it trying to. I don't. I think it's it it, it, it is all over. It kind of tries to do so much, so much with uh, with too many things that flying around the air, and you think, well, what's left? I mean, you know, you got the. You know, the, the thought with uh, Riggs getting over his wife, which should be made more more a thing. Um, you know, you got the you got like you know, possibly like you know the stuff with the Hong family, which 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 I forgot to mention is kind of just made as a side alone thing. It's like you know it, you know the the thing the outcome of the Hong family is just kind of made as like oh by the way you know we all grant them asylum they or or the rest of them are fine now great you know we don't see that we're just told that it's just like uh, you know, it, it, it's more. It, it should have been better handled, and I think you could, it could have done with just ignoring less of the stupid stuff. I think um, maybe the whole thing with you know Murtaugh being a grandfather should have just been a thing that's just that that's just happened. It's not doesn't have to count away with Riggs. You know, it should have been more about you know Murtaugh. Murtaugh has a connection with the Hongs. That's his thing. And 
and Rick's just trying to like move on you know move on with a new relationship that's his thing I should have just kept there, that there's, there, there's a way to do it, it with... there is a way to do it I think that the, the, the problem is it's a series called Lethal Weapon and we know that refers to Mel Gibson and that's very very difficult to do more than one entry with him as a lethal weapon mm. no one's going to last in the police force like 12-15 years in the state he was in in the first film so there has to be some kind of character growth and that character growth is inevitably going to be a softening probably mm. which is why when they came back a little bit softer I was kind of alright I, I think this film I, I again I, I think it's a bit like last week and I'm agreeing with you Chris we sound really down on it. it it's really not that bad but it's more the fact that because I didn't enjoy it hugely I'm sat here picking at all the reasons why it's not a greasy, gritty, lethal weapon series anymore. The fact is, if this had come back as a fairly comedic entry, in the sort of tone it is, with Mel Gibson's character Riggs a lot softer as he is, but it had been very well written, really well paced, with a really great plot and all the character decisions in the right place, I think I'd be sat here and just taking it as it is. The fact is, yeah. the, the, the pacing's not that good, and some of the decisions as to who they've put in the film but also what they want to focus on with each each character like the money is just like this is pointless why are you bothering making them captains it, it was that in a script conference and someone went yeah i'll put that i'll put that in the script if you want did mm -hmm. someone just think that would be a funny joke because it has absolutely nothing to do with the plot nothing no um and that's just thing that me scratch my head like maybe it was like they just bounced on all these like different ideas that's why I wonder then, if it's not, not focus group but certainly committee to death in that like uh, someone was like well they, they blow shit up don't they and it's like <laughs> what if well, you'd expect them to be fired for that well we can't fire them let's make them captains that'll be funny it's it, it, none of the that's not coming from a place of like story at all yeah and I again I'd forgive it if it was almost like a funny little skit but it's not you put Chris Rock in the film who's it's a you know, a great talker. Watch his stand-up. I mean, he's the t personality type with the sort of tone of voice that he'll irritate some people in the same way Jim Carrey irritates me. You could accept that he was objectively a pretty good stand-up and still not want to watch him. But, like, he's a good stand-up. Genuinely very good. And you put him against Joe Pesci and you're thinking, well, this could be good. And it's not. It's just a load of rambly shite. So, yeah, this film could have been better than it was. But I think it's not the type of series where you're going to get four stellar entries. So anyway, that just leaves Becca with some final thoughts. Final thoughts, yes. Um, yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really pleased that I managed to get around to watching this classic series. Um, I, I'm glad I can finally tick it, you know, tick the list. Um, so you know, it's been. It's a sort of series that looms large, like in film history. Um, and as I said at the top. Uh, a previous shows it kind of cast a long shadow for like action action movies buddy cop genres you know it kind of really forged the way the way forward for this genre um and we wouldn't have a, you know subsequent films following it it's been hugely influential not just for some you know buddy cop movies but also action movies as well um i think i, I still prefer the first one um and the second one as well really stood out for me third one not so much but here i think for this fourth one i mean it's, it's focuses more on, on the comedy aspect um and i feel like Joe Pesci's character is still a bit shoehorned in, maybe doesn't kind of really need to be there. Um, but it's still enjoyable. I had a good time watching it. I had a good time with it. 
I would watch it again. Um, you know, it's a classic series, and I'm, I'm really glad to have, like, as I say, take those off the list, and I'm glad to have seen them now. So I feel that my action genre knowledge has, has been expanded, you know, definitely expanded uh, from help with you guys, um, and also through, through watching these movies. So. I think I'd agree with you on that much. I think I think they sort of declined in a straight line. Yeah, they did kind of go down. Um, and I was expecting a little bit of a surprise. I thought all these years later, with it being a significant minority opinion, I might prefer the second one. Or because when I didn't enjoy the third very much, I thought maybe the fourth will surprise me because it's a few years later, my um, expectations will be different. But yeah. It's not later than what I thought it was as well, because it was kind of around, literally around the millennium, sort of 98, 99. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's, there's quite a big gap, so I was quite surprised to take aback by that. But you know, I, I definitely I can understand what you're saying, Dave. I would I'd kind of agree yeah. to a similar extent. But I mean, there are better series than this that decline. That, that in being said, line. though, yeah. Uh, that that being said, though, if someone did say I prefer two or I prefer four over three, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't jerk out my seat at that. You wouldn't go. What? I, I think this was the only yeah. film that was fairly bad, even though I got on a rope. That all right. I mean, if someone said, "Oh, I love four or four of them equally," I, I would, you know, I would tend to agree. I agree that your opinion's your opinion, and if you, you know, came to the series before and had a great time with it, no dis- disagreement from me. <laughs> of your right to do that I, I just think quality wise they're kind of they don't yeah, really have any I, great reason for being after the first one is this one of those things I think because I think, it's all by the same director if it was by like say you know, like no, we have with the, with the Bond oh, film for example like different writers different directors I mean we've had a few different different writers um, but it's been Richard Donner all the way through um, you know if they were like wildly different or if we had like a, you know a, a different cast and crew each time or something for example but because it's kind of been this sim- vaguely similar sort of creative team um, shouldn't be that much disparity. Obviously, just changing with the times and attitudes throughout the 80s and 90s. Yeah. So that's it. Lethal Weapon done. Something that's been sort of asked for for quite a few years by quite a few people. So um, we hope we did it some sort of justice. Uh, talking offline before this episode, we don't actually have any fun facts this week, do we, Becca? Unfortunately, no. I'm sorry about that. Um, I do apologise. <laughs> That's all right. Say this. Well, I think the important thing is we're you going. Say this is this is Jet Li's first American film and the first time he played a bad guy. So oh, that's true. That, yes, that's a fun fact. I, I did have some Jet Li facts lined you up. You could also I say actually, I wiped them. By accident. <laughs> yeah, that's why we haven't got any fun facts. But <laughs> um, the no. other thing you could say is that we're moving on to a much, much more heavyweight, you know, cineast's delight of a series where um, you'll bring the real factage because those are, you know, true cinema. Yes, that's right. We're doing Ingmar Bergman. No. (laughs) Well, we're we're bringing back our patented (laughs) reviewmentary, which we did for Spectre. When we did, like, an early first reaction to Spectre, we sort of thought, well, we can't really review it again, but it isn't quite a commentary because we haven't seen it that many times. We've always been talking about this series... If we review on it, we're trying to be funny over an out-and-out comedy that is funny in the first place. So where does that leave you? That leaves you with a little bit of comment and a little bit of commentary. So the reviewmentary is back with our new series next week, which is Becca! Do you expect to talk of a groovy baby as we return with Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery?